we've arrived. Disruptors have assembled. Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Prompt. I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? Hello everyone, welcome to the Weekly Real Podcast. My name is Jeremy. And my name is Ken. And we're going to be digging into some mystery. This time, no donuts with holes and donut not holes in them. I don't know, I I got confused when um, Daniel Craig was explaining it in Knives Out. But we are doing, we're going to be talking about... Glass, a glass onion? Is it a glass onion? No, just glass onion. Just glass onion. A yeah. knives out story. That, that's go. what it's called. But uh, <laughs> you, should, you should have done it with your Daniel Craig or Benoit Blanc uh, accent. You know, that southern drawl. <laughs> yeah, dude, I feel like it was a little more subtle this time. I feel like it, it was still very, very much prominent, but not as much as the first one where it's like, he yeah. just started talking and like threw me off every time, <laughs> bro. I just re- I rewatched uh, Knives Out and then freaking Chris Evans calling him something Detective KFC or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> God, I forgot that he called him that, dude. I was hella dying, dude. Yeah, at first I was like, "What accent is he doing?" It's like so weird, <laughs> but it's it's very strong. Yeah. Well, let's jump into our uh, ritual. For this season. And the one topic I'm going to bring up this week. Just because. Oh yeah. Happy New Year. To uh, the future. Because you future people. Because right now we're recording on December 29th. And we're still in 2022. But you are now listening to this. In the future. Of 2023. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Then monkeys come down. Start out. Yep. Dude, that was a weird movie. Anyway, um, top five most anticipated movies for 2023. Um, there's a lot of movies. So, Ken, you want to tell us your top five? Oh, my goodness. You know, I had to like, uh, well, you know, I did the whole Google thing. I just wanted to see what was uh, scheduled for 2023. And I think I initially had a list of a dozen movies. And again, I'm going to probably still cheat because I do have an honorable mention. I'll, I'll get to mm-hmm. my top five. But uh Honorable mention, actually, I, I almost had this in my top five, Fast X. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just <Dude. wanted> <laughs> I was like, no, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We just have to always do the old, uh, the old Fast and the Furious, um, uh, what do you call that, reference, right? That's true. Because, it is one big joke. Because we're family. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Hey, tell me, tell me where I'm lying. Anyway, though, uh, in all seriousness, honorable mention, because I didn't want two MCU movies taking up my top five. So mm-hmm. I'm going to lump Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 into one honorable mention, because mm-hmm. I am looking forward to Phase 5 being better than Phase 4, hopefully. Crossing my fingers. I just want good 
MCU movies, um, just similar to some of the earlier phases, uh, namely phase three. I don't, I'm not holding out hope for it being that good, mm-hmm. but at least, you know, where it's kind of like on the uptick where, you know, uh, phase two was starting to kind of, you know, build a little bit more towards phase three. So I'm hoping phase five builds towards uh, an epic phase six. So Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 are my honorable mentions. So without further ado, my top five movies of 2023. Ooh. This one will upset you at number five, Dune Part 2. <laughs> Damn! I just for the coming. just for just for the fact that I know we're gonna do a podcast on it, and I know it'll be epic because I know I know that we're gonna we're literally gonna uh, I don't know we're gonna just start slinging mud or sand or something. It gets everywhere. <laughs> it's coarse. It's rough. I, it's rough. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but Dune Part 2, just selfish reasons, I, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and number four, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, because I love mm-hmm. the first one. Number three, John Wick, Chapter 4. Number two, Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan Disciples of a Year. Mm-hmm. Um, and at number one, and uh, this is kind of a little bit of a teaser for Later on in the episode, it's got to be Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one. Part one. <laughs> yeah, part one. <laughs> See, that's a good one. I like that list because it's pretty similar to mine, honestly. But, <laughs> I, I figured. <laughs> uh, I am actually, I hope Dune is better than the first, Dune part two is better than the first Dune. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Uh, <laughs> Wait, are you going to watch it in theaters this time, though? I if mean, part two? HBO Max. <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that same thing where it'll open. It opened at the same time, didn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Something so there like were, really wasn't uh, an incentive if you didn't, if you really weren't like hyped to go see the movie. It's like, ah, watch it at home. <laughs> yeah, but remember, because no, okay. Joe Ash was looking forward to this episode because it's directed by Ryan Johnson and he liked The Last Jedi, but I was like, you know. Uh, all our favorite directors have at least you know one bad movie on their resume. You know, I, my favorite, one of my favorites is uh, Denis Villeneuve, and he has Dune. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is the, totally the reason why I'm looking forward to Dune Part Two. It's it's just the the sniping back and forth. It's so good. Yeah, I might bring that back that joke when we talk about it in like season seven. Your 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 favorite scene. Oh man. Is none of them because I hated the whole movie. <laughs> Again. Anyway. All right. My number five, Spider Man across the Spider Verse. Okay. I don't I feel like it won't be as good as the first one. I feel like I hope it is better, but there's a lot going on, a lot of more Spider Men and characters, spider characters to to go through. So I, I hope it's not too jumbled. My number four Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Okay. John, then number three, John Wick 4. Number two, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. <laughs> it's a long okay. title. And then number one is Oppenheimer. Just yeah. because 
I, I want to highlight Oppenheimer. All of the other ones are pretty, like... Yeah, you already know we're going to choose him. But Oppenheimer is one... Of, I, yeah, it's Christopher Nolan. And... Yeah, I just feel like Christopher Nolan movies are, like, events now. Like, when we watched Tenet, yeah, it was during 2020. It's, like, the first movie that we went out in theaters to go see. But something still about Christopher Nolan movies where you hear the music in the trailers, like, all that stuff. It's like... And um, the cast looks good. It's a. I hope there's going to be some time bending once again. Hopefully, which it looks like it's going to span at least a few years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oppenheimer, by Christopher Nolan. Uh, I guess the only reason why I didn't have it at one, it really was one A or one B. I was just like, okay, where do I, where do I put the top two? I think. I'm uh, I'm leaning towards Mission Impossible being number one because I feel like it'll be more rewatchable. It'll be just more of a popcorn flick, and I think these days it's like I just want to be entertained, like you know uh, Russell Crowe and freaking Gladiator. Are you not entertained? <laughs> and, and and really, that's kind of like my movie going um, thing. And then obviously Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan will get you to think, and I already know I'm probably gonna need to watch it two or three times in the theater to probably understand fully the um, epicness that is Christopher Nolan and his movies. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like Oppenheimer may have a similar feel to uh, what was his other war movie? Dunkirk. Uh, Dunkirk. Yeah. And I feel like Dunkirk is a movie that you have to kind of be in the mood to kind of watch that sort of movie. So. Yeah. I hope I like it more than Dunkirk. Not saying Dunkirk was bad, but it's one of those, like you said, where you can't just like put it on to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Tenet is more rewatchable. So, but I just yes. put Oppenheimer above Mission Impossible. I do agree the the ceiling, or I feel like the ceiling for Oppenheimer is really high. But I know with Mission Impossible, it's already going. You already know it's going to be entertaining. If you see Tom Cruise run, that's a, that's a entertaining in, in itself. <laughs> I can't wait to preview next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. But before we get into Glass Onion, Ken, uh, remember we have an Instagram and TikTok? Yes, we do. Um, Instagram is where we mainly are um, as far as the social medias these days. Uh, we put um, clips uh, in the form of reels uh, from our main episode. So, I mean, we're using video. We have been using it the last couple of seasons now. So uh, you can follow us at Weekly Reel on Instagram. Uh, We put uh, also links on there uh, to all of our main, well, all of our episodes. Now, I forgot we only have the one show and it's, um, what do you call it? We post links on Apple, Spotify, and um, and we let people know when our episodes are released. Uh, and we also have a TikTok. I know this has been a topic of discussion, and uh, I think 2023 will be the year of TikTok, I think. And we're going to get, uh, we have some ideas cooking. I did talk to Jeremy offline about uh, some new ideas that I do have, for especially since, you know, we're wrapping up season five in, in a few short weeks. And so, um, especially during our off season, we will definitely start to kick that into overdrive. So, um, on TikTok, it's at weekly real pod. 
Yep, go check us out there. Go follow us. And, yeah, we'll be there sooner or later. Mostly on Instagram <laughs> right now. But anyway, let's get into the mystery. That is Glass Onion, a Knives Out story. Go watch it on Netflix. This is your spoiler warning. Um, yeah, it's a pretty uh, interesting movie, let's just say. And to remind you what the story's all about... Benoit Blanc struggles through 2020 to find a new mystery to satisfy his cravings until he is tied up in the murder mystery on an island owned by tech giant Miles Braun, played by Edward Norton. Which, dude, I haven't seen Edward Norton in a long time, in a like a new movie. <laughs> I know, it's been a while. <laughs> like fight club (laughs) i almost didn't recognize him actually because uh you know obviously we've gotten a little age but i feel like they did a good job in making it seem like he has a tan because he's been living on the glass onion so i I felt like and then his hair seemed like it's been out in the sun so it's a little lighter than Mm -hmm. we normally see or whatever but yeah it looked like he got uh he was in that glass onion setting for several years (laughs) during the yeah. pandemic or whatever. And his his blue eyes were like super saturated in this movie for mm-hmm. some reason. It's like Daniel Craig in um, Casino Royale. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, but let's start with our double feature. And guys, if you don't remember what the double feature is, I'm going to ask Ken a question. He doesn't know what it is. And vice versa. My question for the double feature is which half of the mystery did you like better ken the pre-reveal of helen or post reveal of helen being andy Ooh, that's a good question um i will mention that post reveal um well my answer is pre-reveal but post reveal i appreciate any story with pov characters where you know you'll get a completely different um perspective on uh events that you've seen mm-hmm. and i enjoy the different uh i don't know just different points of view uh that you do get to see uh i definitely appreciated it in in this story i think ryan johnson did a really gr- fantastic job of establishing a narrative and then literally just pulls a complete 180 and then you can kind of see it from uh helen's point of view playing uh her twin sister andy and i don't know i just thought it was uh very well done and it was a really nice um twist i didn't that i did not see coming uh all that being said though i did like the whole setup before uh before the i guess the flashback to how uh, Helen and Benoit Blanc ended up uh, meeting and then plotting mm-hmm. and coming up with their strategy of trying to figure out what happened to Andy and who killed Andy, um, where the actual murder mystery actually started already before the events um, that, well, basically start the, the movie off, right? With the whole, what's in the box? <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Murder mystery boxes. Jeez. Uh, But I just thought uh, the characters were all 
well done in that they're all different. Uh, they're all memorable. I mean, it helps that Ryan Johnson casted uh, each of the parts <laughs> very well, I think, even though mm-hmm. we hadn't seen Kate Hudson in a while. We hadn't seen Ed Norton in a long time, too. Uh, and uh, I don't know. It, it was It was fun the way they did it. And then especially during the scene where ultimately Dave Bautista dies. Um, Dude, like I felt like it built up the tension in quick cuts um, to just some nondescript um, scenes, I guess it's like, you know, they, they had the birdie scene dancing with miles um, and then they're just laughing music, music's playing in the background uh, Duke's phone was going off, so like the whole security thing was for the Mona Lisa was kind of going. Yeah, it like literally built up the tension really well, and that's why I, for as you know, that reveal, the little pot plot twist uh, with Helen playing Andy was very well done. I just I still prefer the whole setup uh, beforehand. Uh, yeah, I would have to agree with you too. I do like pre-reveal a lot just for a lot of the same reasons but yeah post-reveal i do love the the po like different pov of scenes that we've already been through that's probably like one of my favorite parts of the second half i guess of the story uh you know going from like helen is especially in that pool scene you know like when she's uh dropping off a little sound recorder uh spying on um Agatha Harkness, what was her name again? Claire. Claire. <laughs> yeah. Claire and Peg. Um, Claire and Peg's conversation. Like, you get to see all this cr- other crazy stuff happen, and uh, especially right before um, the generator goes down or the lights turn off and all that stuff, that build up to, oh, it, is Andy actually going to kill Miles wait. Braun right there? Was it, wait, was it Peg and, no, it was Peg and Birdie that were. Peg and Birdie. Yeah. yeah Peg and Birdie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank Sorry. you for correcting me. yeah yeah there's a lot of people in this movie anyway um yeah i love when like the lights turn off and you see um supposedly or i guess this is pre-reveal that andy like gets shot through the glass yeah, and all that dude. stuff and i was like what no way because you get the whole pov of like the the gun and it it you've seen kind of like similar portrayals in past movies and i like it when they when they actually use that whole thing very effectively even though we've seen this sh- uh, thing because like i feel like uh, a lot of this murder mystery it's like oh it's first person view okay who's actually holding the gun or whatever and then obviously there's only a set amount of people that are on the island so it's like okay who actually done it mm-hmm but I think, like you, I did like the setup more. Especially, they gave all the suspects, like, almost equal amount of screen time. Which, you know, uh, which always is kind of the the downfall of some mystery movies or mystery episodes and TV shows. Where it's like, for example, like a Law & Order episode or something like that. Where it's like, the, if they keep giving this one character too much screen time, it's like, okay, that guy's going to be the killer. You could kind of point it out right away. But in this movie, I couldn't guess who the killer was. I'm like, who's going to who's gonna be the killer and all that stuff? 
Um, I was waiting for Miles to die too because the trailer that we watched for this movie sold me on that. Okay, it's gonna be the murder of Edward Norton's character. I th- I was like, I thought it was a really good trailer for what this movie actually turned out to be. Yeah. Um. So the setup to this movie was like really well done, especially. And it doesn't, the second half doesn't change things that happened the first one to fit its story. It's like, it makes you pay attention to the first half because it still plays out as it did. You just have to pay attention a little bit more to kind of like review uh, the clues that are explained in the second half. Yeah, because it's like being an eyewitness, you know, like you see it. You don't know what you're really watching because, you know, you're kind of enjoying You're You're just trying to learn like what's, you know, try to learn what's happening in, within the plot. You're enjoying the dialogue. You're you're getting invested in certain characters. But then when they test your memory to see how well you're paying attention yeah. is when it's like, oh, man, it's so good. And then just to add to your point about how um, you liked how every person had kind of equal time equal screen time i should say i like how benoit blanc even emphasized the fact that yeah you know they were there for this fun murder mystery like game and you know like there's a prize of who won but when it was revealed that whoa everyone is here they have like a a reason to actually kill miles braun they have a motive and it actually freak, and then they established the fact that oh man, Miles Braun is like literally the one that is, you know, being the hunted, and mm-hmm. everyone has a motive to actually kill him because he has, you know, he has dirt on everyone really, because obviously he's at the center of everything. Yeah, that <laughs> it's just funny because. You start to realize, especially when Benoit Blanc reveals it later on, of how how dumb <laughs> Miles Braun actually is. But I love how in the setup, it's like he's supposed to be like the smartest guy, uh-huh. uh, like leading this huge company, like the biggest company on the planet or whatever. But he's this guy that basically has every everyone do something for him to make mm-hmm. him look good. Or mm-hmm. either that or he steals ideas, obviously. That's mm-hmm. the main thing of yep. this movie. Yeah, he just takes the credit for it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's, it's that's the whole reason why the murder took place in the first part because he knew that he was a fraud, basically. And he wasn't mm-hmm. the one who actually wrote the ideas on that glass onion napkin back in their olden dive bar days. Yeah, and he wasn't even the one that uh, created or designed the box for the murder mysteries that happen each year right so it's like oh i had someone design this box and all that stuff so it's always like something that he always gets someone else to do i thought that was Mm -hmm. they utilize that well yeah i was i thought this was definitely uh, a well done and and i like the fact that it was obviously a murder mystery but it was completely different than what we saw in uh in knives out different feel different set of characters it was uh, definitely more lighthearted, I, I think, even though, not to say that Knives Out wasn't, but I feel like this one felt brighter, you know what I mean? It wasn't as drab and dreary as uh, as Knives Out was. 
Yeah, this was definitely more luxurious too. It did yeah. feel like <laughs> the music definitely played into it. I was like, are we watching a James Bond movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, like the, the, the music and then they would show freaking Benoit Blanc. I was like, oh, it's 007. <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> especially when um, they were on the way to the Glass Onion Island and they were yep. on the yacht. Yep. <laughs> and then he's just standing there with his sunglasses and the music's like going crazy i'm like and, All then they right. would sh- and, they, <laughs> and they would show helen as andy and she's like this mysterious woman she's got the big yeah. sunglasses like oh who's that it's another she, bond no one girl <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i'm so saying good. plus uh freaking miles braun and his what did he call it baby blue that like roadster that he had i was like oh that's a total oh, bond yeah. car <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, he's going to steal it later. Yep, yep. And <laughs> Have some gadgets. It was definitely well done. Um, okay, you know what? My question for my half of the double feature is actually similar to yours. And so obviously mm-hmm. Glass Onion follows in the footsteps of Knives Out with the many plot twists, misdirection scenes, and unreliable narrators. And so my question for my half of the double feature is, what was your favorite twist of Glass Onion that you did not see coming? Like, Ooh. was it the whole Andy is actually Helen reveal, like with the with the flashback? Or, I mean, there were so many. So, what was your favorite? <laughs> uh, you know what? Because I've watched the trailer a few times, and I don't know if this is gonna like be the biggest reveal. But maybe because of my expectations going into this movie, and this happens pretty early on, is when Benoit Blanc solves uh, Miles Braun's murder mystery, like, super fast. (laughs) Because I was expecting... (laughs) I was expecting that, okay, the trailer said uh, we're going to get a murder mystery... And then Edward Norton's like, oh, we have to solve my murder and all that stuff. So I was expecting for him to be like, oh, here's this murder mystery. Then it it's kind of like a funny thing. But then he actually dies. Mm-hmm. And then we have to figure out why or what happened. Um, but for, for that to not actually play out the way that I expected. And for Benoit Blanc, Blanc to just basically take like a minute's worth <laughs> of thinking he was like and it has started right the game has started <laughs> yeah he was he, he was so hyped to, <laughs> to show off and reveal that he figured it out yeah yeah but like he he figured it out so fast because it was even miles was like this is supposed to take the whole weekend <laughs> You have time to think about it and all that stuff. It's supposed to take the whole weekend uh, for them. It's like, so you have fun and all that stuff. But Benoit Blanc, he's been dying in 2020 to solve a new mystery that he solves in like two minutes. Explain, And I love Edward Norton's face <laughs> when it cuts away to him while Benoit Blanc's uh, um, solving the murder. Like, what the heck, dude? <laughs> this guy's ruining my party right now. And I love how later on it was revealed that he wasn't even, uh, I mean, I guess we found out earlier, but he basically invited himself to the party. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I thought that made it, that scene even more funny, but yeah, that, that reveal 
to me, I guess. It wasn't the biggest reveal of the movie, but that was probably my favorite one. Yeah. No, I get it. I, it, it, it was definitely the most fun twist just because we're like, oh, you know, we're going to try to f- figure out this murder mystery. And then it just like literally just happened in just like you said, in about a minute. And it was done in a very fun and lighthearted way. And it got us to relax a little bit. And mm-hmm. then obviously then it pivots into this whole um, underlying, you know, plot and everything. And so... Um, I guess my favorite one has to be the uh, the the Helen, the most obvious one, Helen uh, portraying Andy, just because I love that it was different layers. I think my favorite part of it was that it actually started a, like the murder mystery took place a long time before mm-hmm. the actual like movie you know, the started. Event started. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, it wasn't the most glamorous part, but it led to some really fun, like espionage esque James Bond uh, like uh, scenes. Where again, we're we're actually seeing it from Helen's point of view, and we get to see those shots that we were talking about earlier, where it is got established. But now we're seeing it from different points of view, like uh, Duke shooting his gun in the air or whatever. Or um, we get to see um, Helen. Getting drunk off of uh, wait, whose whose kombucha was that? Jared Leto's. Jared Leto's kombucha. <laughs> and then we get to see like how she ended up. Uh, there was like some throwaway lines with whiskey. Seeing um, Helen like uh, like just ransacking a place or whatever, and and you saw like the, what the true like motivations were of why mm-hmm. they did that. Cause they were obviously looking for the, uh, for the envelope, but he's like, Oh, you know, just make it look like someone, um, well broke in or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't know. I just, I like that whole thing. They, they, Ryan Johnson did a really good job of coming up with this whole other plot, but it was obviously co- completely connected because now obviously they're just trying to look in, they're just trying to look for proof that, Miles Braun ended up killing her sister. You know, another thing that threw me off that Ryan Johnson did was adding characters that kind of give you like like a kind of a red herring kind of thing where it's like like Peg, for example, right? She's the assistant and it's like, why is she there in the whole story? Yeah, she's following Birdie around, but it's like, oh, is there a, a, a even deeper hidden motive it's like no not really but um and then there's that random guy that's on the island like (laughs) daryl daryl i'm like it's like is he gonna play into this at all no he doesn't not at all so he's literally just hanging out (laughs) yeah i'm just hanging out i'm like don't don't ignore me i'm just doing my own thing see so i love that he added those things too because it's almost like he knew as a viewer, you're already trying to figure it out. So it's like, okay, we're going to throw us on a loop where it's like, okay, it's obvious it could be Andy. Like, especially pre-reveal, right? It's like, oh, Andy's probably going to be the one that's going to kill Miles and all that stuff. It's like, oh, it could be freaking Duke. He has a gun. Mm-hmm. But it's like, but Birdie, she's the dumb one or something. She must have something. But yeah, yeah it's it's... 
I love how there's such a variety of characters that you really don't know who's gonna, who has the capacity for murder. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and and again, they they all had their motivations. You know, that really they were looking out for their own brand. They were looking out for you know like their own careers. Um, and you know those are realistic motivations, especially for the side characters like a whiskey or a peg or or whoever. Uh, but especially for uh, someone like Ly- uh, Lionel, Lionel mm-hmm. and Claire, who uh, featured prominently in um, in Miles Bron Miles, you know his his uh, idea to to make money off of what Clear and how mm-hmm. obviously they were both against it. Obviously, Claire being in a a, a very public figure as being in governor. But Lionel, uh, knowing the dangers of Clear in him wanting to re- do more long-term research about how dangerous this could possibly be, um, there's like everyone had their different motivations and you just get different uh, varying degrees of mm-hmm. people that either hate Miles Braun but also depend on Miles Brown. I felt like yeah. the higher the stakes, the more, you know, obviously they had invested in, in Miles Braun. Uh, and obviously they just, it's like, do, do they still want to keep sucking at that golden teat or whatever they called it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Buttress. <laughs> I forgot why I kept saying that too. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a good, good point. I like that because, all the characters were pretty memorable, and it made a good uh, murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we like to get the audience involved, and you guys, I'm a little curious, because this was released for about a week uh, in theaters, I think around Thanksgiving time, and now, one month later, it's streaming on Netflix. How do you feel about that, um, Ken? Like, do you, do you feel like that's the way it should be? Do you, especially for a movie like this, I kind of wish now that I would have watched this in theater. Mm-hmm. I, I still had a good time watching it on Netflix, but I felt like I would have been even more immersed if I watched it in theaters. <sighs> yeah, you know what? I kind of wish it, it... Okay, so I want to split the difference. I, 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 I can see how Netflix can do this. Obviously, this is something that they had bought um, they did something similar to what was that movie that we watched a couple seasons ago? It was uh, The Rock, Gal Gadot? It, oh, Red Notice. Red, yeah, not Red. Oh, Red Notice. Red Notice. Uh, yeah. For for some reason, I thought you said Red Lotus. I was like, oh, that's not it. Red Notice. <laughs> but yeah, they did a limited release, right? And then they mm-hmm. eventually released it on on Netflix to stream. I kind of wish they had at least a couple of uh, a couple of weeks. Couple weeks, you know, yeah, two, literally two weeks, a uh, second week because they released this. I want to say around Thanksgiving weekend, and ah, man, that weekend was too just busy. way too packed. And yeah. I would have loved to have seen this movie because I never got around to seeing Knives Out in theaters, but I think this would be a fun one to kind of be in a in a like a large group setting, you know, in the theater, in a larger format. Um, and not just streaming at home. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'll do the cop out and just come up with my own <laughs> one week, yeah. not one week, but two weeks, I'd two weeks, that. then, then one month break. 
Uh, I wouldn't even. It wouldn't even need to uh, be a break. I mean, it could be like maybe two weeks. I'd probably compress that um, break hmm. just so that it's at least fresh in everyone's um, on everyone's radar. You know what I mean? So two weeks, I, then two weeks off, and then streaming. Hmm. I would probably go uh, thinking from Netflix's side. I'd probably go like two weeks theater, and then a month. And then have it on Netflix. Just because I wouldn't want to be like, hey. Because I just remember they're saying, uh, oh, one, for one week only, it's going to be in theaters. And I'm like, okay, well, I better not watch it. I'm like super busy right now during Thanksgiving. It's yeah. like, uh, just wait until Netflix. But right. who knows? Not everyone like is like us where we keep up to date with like all the release dates. I'm actually surprised, and I don't know if this is just something where, I don't know, if, if I wasn't really paying attention as much, but was it just me, or did Netflix not market this movie a lot? Yeah, I mean, just, I only remember it when it had the theatrical release. I don't remember them, like, advertising it as much when it came out on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, it's in the top 10 right now. Maybe that's their best way of advertising. But honestly, Netflix has never been good at advertising their movies that come out on streaming. They've never, that's never their strong suit. Strange phenomenon, especially since I would imagine they paid a lot for mm-hmm. the uh, Knives Out sequel. You know what I mean? That is very true. I remember it being a very high number, considering Daniel Craig is like the headliner, too. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other characters and named actors mm-hmm. well uh guys let us know what uh i guess what kind of system you would implement or unless you like this one week one month later streaming release uh let us know on uh let's just say our email this time what's our it's the a weekly real pod <laughs> no cast no no <laughs> just a get, weekly just... Just drop podcast story. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, it's a uh, weekly real pod at gmail.com. All right. Go message us there and we'll take a quick break. Okay. Welcome back from the break. Let's jump into the weekly real awards. Our first award is the Get Help Award for Favorite Comedic Scene. Uh, That comes from Thor Ragnarok, much better than Thor Love and Thunder. But Ken, (laughs) which is your Get Help Award going to? Uh, You mentioned it earlier. Oh, my God. That uh, (laughs) the fact that Benoit Blanc's (laughs) Saul's Miles Bronze um, murder mystery in literally 30 seconds, it seemed like. Uh, Dude, there was just like... The way he broke it down was so good. You know what I mean? He did it in a very quick, efficient manner. And again, just like I mentioned a little bit earlier, how he was itching to be able to re- make the reveals. Like, hey, so, like, just, just so we're clear, like, the game already started the second <laughs> we got on the boat, right? <laughs> and then he went through, like, the thing, broke it down. There was a couple of, like, awesome sight gags i think uh that just made me crack up the first of which being 
eventually when that crossbow yeah. arrow hits and then you get the squirting blood coming out of uh, Miles Braun's uh, shirt or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And then, dude, I think the most underrated part of that scene was a little bit later on because I get actually, you know, sorry, let me jump back. When Benoit Blanc is like, well, is there a prize? For uh, <laughs> winning this Mr. Murder Mystery, yeah. like an iPad or something like this. It's like, like, okay, it's fine. Like, what, yeah, he's like, what do we win? <laughs> What's the prize? And then yeah. he's like, is it like an iPad or something? It's like, fine. Yeah. It's an iPad. Freaking Miles <laughs> Braun. Yeah. And then later on, dude, when they start talking or whatever, post after the murder mystery, and he, you know, he's, Miles Braun's just kind of decompressing or whatever. And freaking Benoit Blanc's talking, and then all of a sudden, freaking Miles Braun just tosses an iPad at him. <laughs> and then he catches it. <laughs> so underrated. Uh, some of the uh, some of the sight gags on this. It was so good. I just love that whole scene. It was so funny to me. Yeah, my my favorite moment from that scene was the iPad moment, just because <laughs> the way Edward Norton and Daniel Craig, like Daniel Craig's uh, Benoit Blanc, is so. It's like he's so innocent compared to everyone there where it's like uh, he's just there to have fun because it's, that's his thing, right? Murder mysteries. And it's like, mm-hmm. what, what do we win? So do we get like a, like a you know, iPad? <laughs> you get an iPad or something? <laughs> oh, man. It's so good. Uh, my favorite comedic scene uh, is a little later on in the movie. It's going to be when Blanc is reacting to Duke's murder. <laughs> When he's explaining everything, you know, the, the other explanation to this murder mystery, the actual murder mystery. Mm-hmm. And when he's explaining, you know, that he just put pineapple juice <laughs> in in the drink. And yeah. it's like, oh, it's, it's like, it's just dumb. And then Birdie's like, oh, what if it's smart or something like that? It's like, no, it's just dumb. <laughs> I love that. I love that reaction from me. I was dying so much just because he was so offended of how simple the murder was. <laughs> it's almost like, because, you know, that's his thing. He wants everything to be as complicated as possible so that for him to figure out, because that's like where he gets his satisfaction from. But yeah. for the fact that it was just pineapple juice, which you clearly could have caught in the beginning when. Duke was like, oh, no pineapple for me. Yeah. I forgot what Duke said. It's like, Duke isn't good with pineapple or something like that. Yeah. And uh, for him to, I don't know, just Blanc's reaction was so, like, he was so pissed off of how simple the murder was. <laughs> yeah, even, like, uh, when when he realized that it was something that he said about turning the lights off or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how- <laughs> He was so appalled. Like loading, having a loaded gun and turn the lights off or something like that. (laughs) And that's when he realized Miles Broad actually just took his words and was like, huh, that's genius. Let's go incorporate that in this next phase of the murder mystery. Yeah, that's so dumb because which to, you know, Ryan Johnson's point, like he kept his things consistent, right? And Miles was not smart enough to think of his own murder mystery. So when Daniel Craig or Blanc said that, he literally just took it. And that was a clear hint for Blanc (laughs) 
mm-hmm. of how oh dumb he actually is. That's so good. I do have a uh, an honorable mention. This one's mm-hmm. kind of a quick one. Dude, I love how obviously now uh, the reveal happens. Helen is now, you know, plotting with Daniel Craig to, you know, f- try to figure out and plan this thing of trying to figure out who murdered uh, her, her twin sister, uh, Andy. And now, you know, they're trying to come up with motives and opportunities and they basically use uh, what the board game or whatever clue. I love how freaking <laughs> the greatest detective in the world Benoit Blanc uh, was like, hey, yeah, we could use like the stuff from Clue. And then like Helen is just like, oh, yeah, I love that game. <laughs> so it made it seem like Helen uh, was, you know, basically the Watson to uh, Benoit Blanc's Sherlock Holmes almost. <laughs> but using yeah. a freaking board game. <laughs> That's true. Man, that was that was good, man. Uh, the next award is the Dusted Award, favorite crime scene. So there's surprisingly not too many murders in this, but in terms of crime, which is basically like just someone doing something wrong, generally, which there's a lot of that in this movie. So what's your Dusted Award going to? Okay. Um, obviously, um, this turned out to not be a crime, but at the time... We thought it was. It was after the lights go out. I love the different um, different use of light and sound and everything. And then we get the whole, like, uh, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of the first Mission Impossible. Remember, like, when at the, the end, something's going wrong. And then every, like, like literally shit hits the fan after um the murder on the bridge or whatever and like everyone gets like killed and again we're you know it's like dark or whatever but now coming back to glass onion now the lights go out like miles braun's fearing for his life now every everyone's like scared the way ryan johnson films this is like really it, it builds up the tension and then it ends up with the whole, you know, first person view of the gun and and then you get the whole shot and we think that Andy at the time is come like the second person that's murdered. And I'm like, oh my goodness, who's gonna be next? That's like, you know, your next thing uh mm-hmm. that goes into your head. It's like, dude, we just saw Duke die. Now Andy's dead. Okay, now who's next? And I just thought it was really well done with the way they filmed it, you know, using quick cuts, kind of jumping around. And it was very disorienting, but obviously Ryan Johnson wanted us to feel that way. And I thought that was my favorite crime scene. Dude, you know, one of my favorite uh, shots was from that scene where, you know, uh, Benoit Blanc is standing over Andy. And then people, like, obviously they heard the gunshot, so the other characters start to, like, walk or run up to the oh, body. And I love that tracking shot of just, like, um, where Benoit Blanc is on the bottom of the stairs and it changes and shifts over to each character. Like, as if they're showing, oh, could it be this person? Could it be this mm-hmm. person? And I was like, oh, that's such a good shot. I, I remember it in the trailer and I still love it in the movie. Yeah, dude, uh, it, was, it was really good. 
Um, and just to add one l- real quick point, just because we saw two like versions of that scene, one mm. where obviously he's crying, you think that he's mourning <laughs> Andy dying, but then yeah. we realize that it's wait, who's hot sauce? <laughs> Jeremy Renner's hot sauce. Yes, but yeah, no, I I love that even the tiniest of things like one tear or a couple tears. Uh, shed can mean completely something different when you actually pull the curtain back you know what i mean so good yeah i forgot what he said when he actually put the hot sauce in his eyes he's like ah fiddlesticks (laughs) something like that (laughs) something only benoit blanc would say yeah uh my favorite crime scene was actually after the lights turn off i love basically it it reminded me of you know if you ever played the game mafia where you know it co- it goes into nighttime, the mafia like kills someone, and then <laughs> everyone wakes up, everyone opens their eyes, and they have to figure out what's happening, who killed who, and that's literally what happened in this movie. Lights turn off, someone dies, freaking Duke is dead on the floor, but like everyone, like Miles is like someone who's who's gonna kill me next and all that stuff, but he literally also took Duke's phone from <laughs> from Duke's body it remind me of like if you're playing mafia and <laughs> the mafia pretty much pretends like or they kill the other mafia person it's like hey it wasn't me i'm not mafia and all that stuff um but i love that because it's like you that's the moment where it's like like shit just got real mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. when the, all the lights and um turn on and uh you know duke is still there and all that stuff i was yeah that's probably my favorite crime scene that was good yeah oh man dude this movie was really good i need to yeah definitely need to rewatch it to find all these little clues Mm-hmm. uh the next award though is the avengers assemble award for favorite scene so you got one yeah, you know what? We just sort of talked about it. Actually, it's um, it was another crime scene, admittedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I was literally taught. <laughs> I was like, okay, which one do I pick? For you know what? I'm just going to split the difference. I'm going to just give them both out. It's when Duke dies because, mm-hmm. and this is early, like I guess early-ish middle when this actually happened because now, uh, again, Ryan Johnson's use of his editing. Uh, the fact that, you know, we get the music going, Birdie and, and Miles are dancing, but like the music's playing loud and it's like very disorienting uh, because you know it's building up to something. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, this is a murder mystery, so obviously the natural thing is like, okay, someone's going to die or some, something's going to happen. Yeah. But we don't know what exactly or who it's going to happen to, but like these just random shots where it just keeps going back and forth. And eventually we get the whole Duke, I guess, I don't know, just all of a sudden, Oh, something's going on. He's choking or I don't know. He got poisoned or something mm-hmm. because there isn't anything that he's choking on. And dude, the way he dies was pretty brutal. Obviously, he, um, you know, he dies because of his drink, 
you know later on uh, with the reveal. But then the fact that he what it falls down and he falls on that coffee table or something like that, yeah, shatters the mirror glass or whatever. And dude, and he's a big dude, so it just felt like a really intense scene. And I thought it was very well done just because of how intense and disorienting that whole thing was. And then now it's like, okay, I felt this is where the story just kind of kicks into over overdrive because now there's an actual murder and not just Miles's murder mystery game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shoot. I do like that. That's obviously we, I highlighted a lot of points in that scene already, but like like you said, that taking down the biggest guy in the room definitely sets the tone mm-hmm. for for who's gonna die next. <laughs> I know. I was sure. I was a little upset because I was like, no, not Duke. I want to see yeah. more uh, uh, <laughs> of him, like Dave Bautista on my screen, just with the basically I don't know, like dry like humor that he he perfected mm-hmm. in the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Yeah, same. I was a little disappointed. I'm like, dang it. He died too early because you know we both love Baptista uh, for a while, but it's like dang it, he died. But luckily they did, you know, flashback and have more scenes with him. But he's the only guy that dies in this movie, so it's like dang it, of all the characters. But whatever. I love his dynamic with his mom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the beginning, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare tell me to shut up. Yeah, he's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's such a big dude. Dude, if we were given no, out the uh, um, the award for, the for under it, I, I would have said uh, his mom. <laughs> Just because she was the one that was mainly solving all the puzzles in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, because we didn't see Benoit uh, Blanc yet. Yep. He didn't try to solve it yet, or he didn't get his his so-called box uh-huh. yet. Um but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was definitely underrated. Uh, my favorite scene, though, I like. Yeah, I, this might be under underrated also, but I feel like we've mentioned all like the clear favorites. So I'm just gonna. I like when everyone arrives um, to get on the boat. Obviously, Benoit Blanc gets there first because he's like, "I'll get there first and all that." So it's all part of the plan. But I love when we first see it for the first time. And you can already see that Benoit Blanc is like scoping them out. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, who's this? Who's that? And at first it's like, okay, as an audience viewer, you're kind of like, oh, why is Benoit Blanc there? He's just chilling, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe he just wants to have some fun or whatever. But lo and behold, later on we reveal that there's so much in that scene also. I, I feel like that's... It sets up a, like a lot of the movie. I like that scene because you get to see each character get like equal screen time and equal like oh who like basically shows off like their their uniqueness in that scene. Mm-hmm. Just to add to your uh, what you said earlier about how um, we don't know why Benoit Blanc is there. I love that it was kind of a callback to the original Knives Out where, remember, part of the mystery was like, who hired Benoit Blanc to figure out who, um, like, it, you know, it because it was obviously shown as a suicide 
in the mm-hmm. uh, Thromby case or whatever. But I think that was part of the mystery. It's like, okay, who hired um, Benoit Blanc? And so I love how they went back to that in this movie where it's like, okay, now why is Benoit Blanc there in the, to begin with? Um, especially since they did portray uh, that scene where um, Miles Braun was like, dude, why are you here? You didn't get a box. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and he basically yeah. had to prove the fact that he had that uh, a copy of that note. Obviously, we find out it was actually Andy's um, note, or I'm sorry, invitation. And, uh, and then that's where you know, the whole plot continues after that. But yeah, I, I love how they keep trying to find out, uh, coming up with new ways to say, okay, well, who actually hired him or who brought him on? Why is um, Benoit Blanc on the scene? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Cause, and later on, it's revealed when him and Helen are talking. It's like, hey, you have to solve it. You're the world's greatest detective. Yeah. I'm like, it's like, I'm not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, he knew the reference. <laughs> I know, I was dying. <laughs> it's like, oh, the Batman. <laughs> the Batman. The unsung dun, hero. Dun, a dark knight. <laughs> With Daniel Craig. <laughs> All right. Enough of that fun, but we'll get into something also very fun, but also competitive. The Guess the Rotten Tomato score. Ken, you are at 19, I am at 25, and the guests are at 14 for the guests the Rotten Tomato score. So what are you guessing for Glass Onion, A Knives Out Story? Okay, so before I get into my guests, uh, this week's uh, guest, the Rotten, uh, guest the Rotten Tomatoes guesser. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness, it's, you know, I'll never get, uh, I'll never figure out how to say that properly. I feel like I get tongue-tied. Anyway, uh, our... Our special guest guesser is Jackie. Again, she's been uh, a guest guesser, uh, I guess, at least a couple times earlier this season. And she's done uh, fairly well. Uh, And uh, she's also been on the podcast in previous episodes like uh, Mean Girls and Bring It On. So her guess for Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery is 87%. Oh, dang. All right. Yeah. So for my guess, and this is a guess that I came up with before she texted me her guess. So um, there's no like, hey, ooh, what are you guessing? So like, can come up with something else. Uh, mine is very close at 88%. All right. Well, mine's also very close at 86%. <laughs> wow. It's a Jackie Guess the Rotten Tomatoes sandwich. <laughs> Yes, it is. But I already have the score up right here. Oh, no. And sadly, it is 94%. So, Ken, you get three points. You're up at 22. Jackie gets the guess at one point, so they have 15. And I'm at 25 still. Dang it. Dude, I thought this... Coming back. All hella close. Yeah. With 347 reviews, 94%. That's higher than I expected, uh, considering it was Netflix. But I guess I should have known better with uh, Ryan Johnson. With Ryan two Johnson for two so far, Daniel Craig. Uh, but the real rating comes from 
the I Love You 3000 award. Well, we rate it from 1 to 3,000. Ken, did you like it as much as Rotten Tomatoes critics? Okay. Um, okay, this is a caveat. This is kind of, nah, I don't know. I don't want to say incomplete just because I've obviously seen the movie. <laughs> but I feel like a movie like this, you need a, for me especially, I can only speak of, uh, on myself. I feel like I need to watch it a second or third time to get its final full-blown like rating i love you 3000 rating so for now with room to move up i think i think it i think i'll like this more as i appreciate some of the little like easter eggs or s- some of the little details that i missed maybe the first time around currently at 2565 which is 85.5% which is a very good score for me i feel like it has room to move up into the upper 80s I don't know if it'll get to the 90s, no. but I think at least upper 80s for me. Uh, but currently, 2565. Nice. I'm very close to you. I'm at 2550 at 85% solid. Um, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a very good movie. Solid movie. Mike, it could go up or down You know, a few... Uh, few scores not exactly 90 but see it's like we were i, I trusted my my ratings and dang it, i should have scored it just a little bit higher normally i feel like the critics are usually around what i kind of guess but i always guess get next week but yeah i i put 85 percent because it's a good solid movie i will mention only because i just remembered when you were talking about uh Oh, trying to go with your initial gut. I will mention that Jackie, after she uh, gave me the 87%, she said initially she was thinking of putting 91%. But she's like, oh, it's not as good as the first one. That's why she dropped it down to 87%. That was her final. But I will probably break the bad (laughs) news. I'll break the bad news to Jackie that her initial gut was actually what got the the full three points. Yeah, for sure. That would have been way closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ken, what are we looking forward to watching for next week? Okay, so next week, Jeremy, get ready for more stunts and high knees and hands from Ethan Hunt as we dive back into our franchise rewatch as we are covering the next two movies of our Mission Impossible rewatch. Uh, these next couple of movies are Mission Impossible 3, uh, which was released in 2006, and then Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which came out in 2011. So uh, both movies, actually, along with the rest of the Mission Impossible franchise, are all currently streaming on Paramount+. Plus, and we are still not sponsored. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this because this is where the Mission Impossible movies get to start to be really rewatchable for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mission. We, I had a lot of fun talking about Mission Impossible too. Probably one of my favorite episodes of this season. <laughs> uh, but in terms of rewatching it again, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Maybe I, know, I, think, I, I, I think it was fun dissecting it more than anything, just because there's some good and bad that we could yeah. you know have fun with um and i feel like those are like my favorite podcast episodes really let's be honest yeah i think it's probably one of my favorites this season for sure like either yeah. one or two if i'm remembering correctly right and plus 
and this is i think all but confirmed i think we we will have a familiar guest um join the pod uh next week so yeah the very familiar guest he's been on the pod at least a couple times but to stay tuned in for that for next week um before we close out ken do you have anything to plug for yourself uh, nothing other than my social medias. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, it's actually similar to the way like our <laughs> weekly reel um, socials are right now. I'm mainly just active on Instagram. I, I've kind of taken a back burner. Uh, sorry, taken a back seat, I should say, um, to TikTok. I'm mainly just there to kind of watch stupid videos on TikTok. But you can follow me on both at FreeKen. A. Nice. And if you want to watch my short film, it is The End of Yesterday short film on YouTube. Go check that out. Uh, any final thoughts on Glass Onion, a Knives Out story to 2022 streaming on Netflix? Still not sponsored. <laughs> Still not sponsored? <laughs> That's the whole thing. Um, you know what? You alluded to earlier about the world's greatest detective. Who is the world's greatest detective is it benoit blanc or is it the batman (laughs) that's true man he solves these things pretty quick i don't know in the batman i don't know he he let gotham get pretty blown up by the end of that movie (laughs) i love batman but it's i don't know can you beat James Bond? I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, Benoit you know Blanc. What I, got, I think I got to agree with you. I think with Benoit Blanc, he was so amped to win that iPad. I think when you <laughs> toss around prices like iPads, dude, he's going to solve it. Solve the murder uh, in a minute or less. Yeah, dude. Imagine if Benoit Blanc was in The Batman. He would have solved that thing right away. It's like, ah, oh. and then the Riddler is up in there. <laughs> In that he's apartment. <laughs> but he's been watching this whole time. Yeah, that movie that movie would have been only about an hour. <laughs> it's a, still a pretty long movie. Oh, oh man. Shit. Uh yeah, I'm I'm just gonna go Benoit Blanc. Just don't don't get a fight with Batman, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um did you have a favorite cameo? By the there's a quite a bit of cameos in this. You got like Freaking uh, Ethan Hawke, you've got Hugh Grant, you've got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, so it's like... Angela Lansbury. Yeah, so you got, there's a lot, more than I expected. So did you have a favorite cameo? Well, I mean, I discovered one while we were talking offline, but I won't pick that one because I didn't actually come up with that one, I don't know, and in case you wanted to bring it up. But the first one that immediately jumps to my mind is Ethan Hawke, just because it, it seemed like he was just coming <laughs> off of the set of, uh, what was the uh, Moon Knight? MCU? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it felt yeah. like he was the same character. Yeah. Same Dude, hair I, and everything. I felt like, I think he was actually coming from Moon Knight, but I feel like he was still in character. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> the He's same like, haircut. Open your mouth. Is there pineapple? It doesn't have pineapple. No, it doesn't have pineapple. It's like, dude, it's the same guy. Shot it right in the back of his throat. Pause. And it was like, uh, he was like wearing the same attire as if it was Moon Knight. Exactly. It was like, 
wait, does he have shattered glass in his sandals? <laughs> I think so. Oh shoot! Did uh, you have a but, favorite? Uh, I did. I think the Ethan Hawke one was probably my favorite, just because it's Ethan Hawke, and he actually like showed up in this very like big scene where everyone significant is like gearing up for the mi- murder mystery. So it's like, oh, Ethan Hawke's here. It's like, is he gonna do something? And literally does not show up for the rest of the movie. I know. I I would have thought that he was maybe he would have been a suspect or something like that. Eventually yeah. he'll show up just kind of randomly at the end. It's like, oh, it's a reveal. It was Ethan Hawke all along. <laughs> See, that's what I thought too. It was I forgot his name in Moon Knight. But the 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 cameo that you were referring to, just in case our audience doesn't know, was the hourly dong. Dong Dong. That was weird. I was like, what the hell? I thought I thought it was Edward Norton that voiced it. Or something, but it was uh, our favorite Joseph Gordon Levitt from you yes. know Angels in Tom, the Outfield. Tom from uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer. Five, oh, dude, don't even talk. Don't get me started on that movie, man. <laughs> that movie's too good. Oh uh, my god, it's too good. But yeah, the hourly dong. But Ethan Hawke, man, I think threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> He threw me totally off the most. Did. He totally did. I was like, where's his avatar? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the high knees and Tom Cruise sprinting across Shanghai next uh, next week. I think it was Shanghai. I got to rewatch the movie. But uh, go watch it on Paramount Plus. Still not sponsored. Uh, but yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Uh, with Tom Cruise as our guest. I'm just kidding. Not, not, I hope. Next time. Yeah, he hasn't been on the pod yet, so. Yeah, he has, yeah. That just, that was in direct contradiction to what we said earlier. Yeah, that's not, that, 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 that's not a clue, guys. That's not a clue. That's, the mystery is, uh, I'll leave a big question here. Who is our resident dinosaur (laughs) in, uh, the podcast? So, if you can figure that out, you have solved the mystery for next week's episode which is on the real